Hello, and welcome to another edition of NCEA Podcast. This is Kevin Baxter, Chief Innovation Officer for NCEA, and we are excited to welcome you uh, to the podcast this week. Very excited to have Dr. John Reyes uh, with me on the podcast. Uh, those of you, uh, John has been on the podcast before, and he is uh, relatively new to NCEA, but not new to Catholic education. So, John, very excited to have you with us. Thanks. I'm glad to be back on. I want to start. We're going to get into um, CLS and how um, how we've kind of crafted that this year to get people excited about the upcoming Catholic Leadership Summit, and then talk a little bit about our our virtual offerings for the fall. But I want to start a little bit with your background in Catholic education, kind of what uh, you know the roles you've held, and what brought you to uh, ultimately to NCEA. Yeah, so uh, glad to talk about sort of the work I've done in Catholic education. Uh, I've been in Catholic education for a little over a decade now. So uh, I started out uh, teaching third grade, actually. So I had a short stint teaching third grade, then taught junior high uh, for four years uh, at a great school in Los Angeles, St. Bernard, um, where I was a junior high teacher. I was a technology coordinator. Uh, I was really blessed to be able to be part of a school-wide effort to integrate one-to-one -one learning sort of at that time and, and uh, was able to really get my hands dirty with, um, you know, closing opportunity and access gaps for um, our students that we served in Northeast Los Angeles. Um, and we launched this one-to-one -one program, it was really awesome. Uh, had the opportunity uh, about, I think seven years ago at this point to uh, lead technology initiatives for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. So uh, Kevin, we were able to work together for five years in the in the Department of Catholic Schools and and really craft a vision for uh, for transforming teaching and learning through technology. So did that for five years, uh, launched some really great initiatives. Uh, we were able to close uh, access and opportunity gaps for, for thousands of kids, I think, through those initiatives. And then uh, spent the last two years in the Diocese of Charleston in South Carolina. So we had 32 schools and 7,000 kids there. Uh, we worked in the entire state uh, really to craft a vision for academic excellence to create opportunities for collaboration, professional learning, um, and then to also really attack the question of operational vitality in terms of budget and finance, marketing, enrollment, different things like that. So it was uh, a real great change of pace moving, you know, from California to Charleston and, and doing that piece. And, and now getting to work on the national level with NCA is, is super cool. It's just such a huge blessing to be able to work on behalf of what, over 1.5, 1.8 million Catholic school students. And I understand uh, that you know, our Catholic schools, you know, shape their ability to, uh, to, to know God and his beauty and truth and goodness. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, to have been able to do this work for the last three months with NCA and excited for what's ahead, especially this fall. Yeah, we're, we're, we are both uh, excited, which is not a word you always hear in terms of um, the last yeah. three to five to six months. Uh, you came in uh, at an incredible time for NCEA and for, gosh, schools in general. Right. Uh, and in terms of the uh, pandemic and shutting down schools and all of those challenges, um, you mentioned your technology background. Um, what were some of the things you were thinking when all of this was happening in the spring in terms of school shutdowns and seeing it start to just happen across the country and, and then people moving to remote instruction? What were some of the things that were going through your head when all that was happening? You know, what's so funny is one of the things that I had to learn when I uh, started working in South Carolina was uh, 
hurricanes uh or hurricanes right so like in, in california like there you get natural disaster disruptions sometimes because of fires and and, and and sometimes you know occasionally once every decade or two or three whatever we'll get an earthquake roll through and we might have some major disruption in south carolina you plan for hurricanes every year right so like you know you're gonna have a couple storms roll through and you have to have your distance learning plans ready to go so it was so funny i think i remember having a uh, um a workshop with teachers uh, in Charleston. Uh, I believe it was March 13th or something like that. It was like the last Friday before basically the world shut down. And we were with the principals talking it through when they were saying, okay, we'll just do the remote learning plans for two weeks and you know, we'll, we'll get right back into things. And so my initial thought was, okay, cool. Like Catholic schools in, in a lot of different parts of the country because South Carolina isn't the only place that has to worry about this. They, they know how to deal with sort of the temporary closures, but a week or two in when you realize, oh, this isn't going away anytime soon. My initial thought was, how do we move from, from the sprint mentality, you know, to, to a marathon? How do we equip ourselves for this sort of uh, longer term disruption to teaching and learning and building community? And so I think the initial thing that came to mind in terms of how this is going to change the game for us was, um, how are we going to create connectedness in community? Um, how are we going to be attentive to um, the mental health and the social emotional health of teachers and of kids and of families? Um, and how are we going to make sure that we provide equitable opportunities for learning for kids? Um, because one of the things that I think we quickly realized is because our Catholic schools serve a diverse population in terms of socioeconomics, in terms of ethnicity, that, you know, the pandemic was going to bring about real challenges in terms of providing equitable access. Uh, so I think it was really just saying, how do we, how do we fully understand the challenges and how do we embrace them? Um, and I think lean on that strength of community and the strength of innovation that I think our Catholic schools have had for some time to be able to respond appropriately. That's great. And um, you came on about three months ago, but you were helping us as a consultant prior to that time yeah. and kind of help guide us um, and work with us through uh, virtual, our NCA virtual back in April. And that really helped to shape um, my thinking, I know, and in our conversations, I know a little bit of your thinking too, about how we have to approach this coming school year, recognizing the fact that even if the virus were to disappear in a few months, which no indications that's gonna happen, everybody. Right. But um, we were still gonna have uh, economic impacts on dioceses, people were gonna have budgets cut and they weren't gonna have money to travel so that we really needed to prepare for this virtual delivery platform for adult learning. You know, how do we engage um, the principals, the superintendents, the assistant superintendents, right. the teachers uh, in a virtual um, way. And so um, recognizing that, um, what were some key maybe aspects of that that, um, that you thought were important to, to make sure we were including as we, we prepped and got ready for this coming year? Yeah, well, I think the, that virtual convention that we were able to, to pivot to back in the spring, I think taught us a couple of different things about sort of professional learning and, and how do we equip uh, teachers and how do we equip uh, school leaders to be able to meet the challenges? Um, because we know that the best way to increase student learning is to increase adult learning, right? So our, our the future of our kids will rest on how much we invest in our educators. And so I think 
there are three things um, that I think we learned from NCA Virtual that helped us sort of plan forward for professional learning, um, I think, for this coming school year. I think, number one, accessibility is huge. I think uh, being forced to shift to a virtual environment actually increased the accessibility of folks to be able to access high-quality professional learning, right? Like, I, I think we would all prefer to be in person. We would all prefer to, uh, to be face-to-face, -to, -face, to have those conversations, but I think uh, you know, being able to do professional development and learning in such a wide and distributed way created opportunities for folks to access, you know, really best in class professional learning and expertise that they were never able to access before. And if we want to elevate the profession, if we want to elevate outcomes for kids and families, we have to elevate what what is accessible to teachers uh, and to leaders into schools. I think the second piece is flexibility. Uh, I think if we had tried with NCA virtual to sort of take you know, every trapping of the in-person convention and replicated online, I think we would have not been as successful as we were. So I think understanding that that mix of live and on-demand learning is huge. The mix of really intense professional learning and something that's more casual, I think changed the game for a lot of folks. And I think as we're trying to, and I really hate saying this phrase, sort of adjust to the new normal, uh, I think providing options and being flexible in the ways in which we engage in learning and collaboration and enrichment, um, I think are huge. And I think the last piece, the third piece that we learned from virtual that helped us plan forward is the efficiency piece. I think uh, it's not just efficiency in terms of what it costs for quality professional learning, but I think it's the efficiency in terms of time. Like, how do we make sure that if we're going to pull you from, you know, your, your five or six hour litany of Zoom calls and ask you to spend 20 to 30 minutes more to do some professional learning, how do we make that targeted? How do we make that relevant? How do we make that impactful? How do we show that we value your time just as much as we value your capital or operational investment? Um, and so I think those are uh, those three keys of um, accessibility, flexibility, and efficiency, um, I, I think really helped uh, shine a light for how we were gonna help educators move forward. Yeah, and I like those three to really think through. Um, and I get your term about the adjust to the new normal is kind of a trite term at this point. But yeah. what, one thing I think we're, we're seeing on the horizon is that uh, the virtual component to everything we do is probably never going away. Meaning right. we want to be back in person. We hope, you know, a year from now we can have an in-person CLS. We can have an in-person convention. We want, to, we want to see that happen. We know that's not going to happen for the next 12 months or so. But even when we have an in-person CLS or an in-person convention, we know there's going to be a virtual component. I don't think we're ever going to not have something virtually connected. And I think that is something, you know, that's new for us in terms of how we're viewing, making sure we, um, we do engage people because of the accessibility, right? Because of the efficiency, because of the flexibility, because those components are still going to be essential for some people in the country. And what we really want to do with what we do um, with, from a professional development and training and support perspective is make sure we reach as many Catholic educators as possible. Let's uh, talk a little bit about CLS because uh, that's obviously coming up in about uh, three weeks, our, our first two dates. We have four dates for our Catholic Leadership Summit uh, 2020 uh, this year, uh, September 28th and 29th. Uh, and then October 20th and 21st. And what we've done is we've divided those, not divided, but each day has its own um, domain focus from the NASDAQs, the National Standards and Benchmarks for Effective Catholic Schools. So we've taken those four, uh, leadership and governance, Catholic identity and mission, academic excellence and operational vitality, and we've given each of them their own day with this global theme of, of equity, 
uh, and crisis leadership or leadership within crisis, kind of recognizing the fact that these two components, this equity component and obviously this um, leadership and crisis in terms of all the changes and adaptability and all those things that leaders have had to do are, are so relevant. So um, we, we kind of framed it out this way and we started with keynotes. So let's talk a little bit about our keynotes, John. Why don't we talk about uh, one of our keynotes and we'll, we'll kind of share a little bit. Let's, uh, we'll start with our leadership and governance, which is our first date. Uh, that's on uh, Monday, uh, September 28th. And we've got Howard Fuller with us. Uh, talk about uh, the legend that's that's Howard Fuller. I, I don't know that we have enough time in the podcast, I think, to, to, to do justice. Uh, you know, Kevin, I know we were talking about this and we were jazzed, I think, first even just about the prospect. And I think when, when Howard Fuller said yes, I, I think it, you know, there was just as much sort of excitement as well as validation about you know, a, a really well-deserved reputation about being a champion for kids and families. And I, and I think if we're going to sort of do a one-sentence description of Howard Fuller, it's that he's a champion for kids and families. And I think he has such a strong track record of, of you know, how do we lead and how do we craft vision and how do we create systems and structures that create equitable opportunities and outcomes for kids and families. Right, like I, I think we do, we do kids and families a, a, a disservice when we say we're going to provide you the opportunity, but we're not going to, we're not going to certainly be as attentive or, or, um, or really care much about the outcomes. And I think Howard Fuller has so much to share about, like a, hey, how do we create this framework of equitable opportunities, but also equitable outcomes for kids and families? Uh, and Kevin, I know you've had a chance to to um, to interact with with Dr. Fuller in the past, and. And I'm sure you'd love to sort of share a little more about, you know, I think what he's going to bring to CLS. I mean, he's a legend uh, in the school choice movement. He's a legend for civil rights in the country. He's uh, he's just a wonderful uh, uh, has a, has a great history. So we're we're so excited to have him. And I think, John, I'm going to um, one of your three things about virtual was that idea of efficiency. And I think what the fact that we were going to be doing this virtually let us dream really big in terms of of who could we get. And we knew we didn't have to have people budget multiple days to travel and hotel and all of these things. And it just, I think it gave us the freedom to take, not risks, but just say, hey, why, why won't we just ask them, see what they'll say. And so um, just blessed to have uh, him uh, kind of kick us off. And he'll be talking about uh, kind of the governance and leadership piece. Um, and super excited. And just another really quick plug, we're going to have him on the podcast in about two weeks. So we're excited about having Howard Fuller with us on the podcast. Kevin, uh, you know what's funny about that is that I think a couple of months ago he said he was retiring. So I'm glad he's deciding to spend his retirement with us. So, right, yeah, super grateful well, we'll, for that. We'll, we'll always put him to work. Catholic schools, yeah. you know, you can never really fully retire. I think. <laughs> um, we're then um, going to on this next uh, next of our first two days on September 29th. We're going to focus on academic excellence, and we're going to have Marie Lynn Miranda, the new provost of the University of Notre Dame. Um, and just super excited about having her with us uh, as first woman of color to uh, be provost at uh, University of Notre Dame. And she has a very strong focus on academic excellence that's really driven by having a diverse faculty and staff to help lead learning uh, for the students. And whether that be at the university level or in our K-12 Catholic schools, it's a focus that excellence comes when you've got a, a diverse um, diverse faculty of backgrounds and, and, right. uh, and issues and needs and all those things. And so I think that's going to be a great topic for, uh, for our principals and uh, superintendents to, to hear. 
Yeah, I think having Barilla and Miranda is going to be fantastic. I think there are two reasons, particularly why I'm personally excited. I think the first one is just the role of the University of Notre Dame and how quickly they came out, how quickly and how uh, definitively they came out with saying, like, here's how we're going to make sure we provide equitable quality opportunities for our students at the university and their comprehensive plan on how they structured that and made that happen. And we know that even sort of the best and most well-constructed plans are going to require, you know, the ability to deal with, well, what happens when it all doesn't go to plan? And we know that the folks at the University of Notre Dame are leading and navigating that. So I think hearing from that perspective, I think is going to be so critical because look, Catholic school leaders, you know, regularly have to operate with crises big and small. Um, and, and so I think hearing from from somebody who can speak to that level of crisis leadership at that scale in this particular situation is huge. I think the second piece is hearing her talk about their particular her particular focus on diversity in, in staffing and teaching is critical from a student achievement standpoint, because we know that there's a substantial body of research out there that says that that when students see teachers and leaders that look like them, that it increases outcomes for all kids, right? So having a black teacher isn't good for just the black kids. It's good for all kids, right? And that diversity helps model what excellence looks like, both within the, the context of a community, but also in the real world, in society, you know, being saints and scholars in that space. Um, so I think that's that's just super huge. Uh, I think we're, we'd be, we're gonna be really blessed and enriched by thinking what she's gonna bring to that discussion. And uh, we'll just uh, talk briefly about our other two keynotes. They'll be uh, on October 20th and 21st. We'll have Catholic uh, Identity and Mission. Mission and Catholic Identity is the domain. And uh, just incredibly fortunate and blessed to have Archbishop Wilton Gregory, Archbishop of Washington, D.C., uh, be with us for uh, the keynote uh, at that event. Um, just kind of a, a legend among the bishops and uh, has spoke out, uh, spoken out so clearly and, uh, and faithfully in terms of the, the challenges that we're faced with as a country and as a church. And I think you'll have uh, incredible wisdom to share with our, with our leaders uh, at CLS. Yeah, we're excited because, I mean, not only is he somebody who's been able to shed light on, on how we approach, um, you know, our current sort of racial tensions and situations with that Catholic lens, you know, I think this is also somebody who has a clear track, track record of being a champion for schools and, and his work right now in the Archdiocese of Washington and, and what he was able to do in the Archdiocese of Atlanta and really invest from the perspective of church's community into what Catholic schools do as an apostle of the church, I think is, is tremendous. So uh, I kind of wish they were all in September, but it's good that we're sort of splitting it up or we're sort of spreading things out for folks. I think for our own health, I'm glad we're separating a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're running a little <laughs> tight here, but. Um, and then finally, we're gonna have a, our, our final domain, operational vitality, blessed with a chief operating officer for the Archdiocese of Chicago, Betsy Bowen. Um, people might not know her name, but uh, clearly uh, kind of the operational person uh, in, in one of the largest uh, archdioceses in the country. Uh, just incredible wisdom and really talking about this idea of building um, operational vitality through sound management principles, really thinking clearly about, about um, how things are run and how to address issues um, kind of prior, you know, prior to them becoming critical. And so uh, just really, again, so excited to have Betsy uh, kind of yeah. close us out on, on October 21st. 
Yeah, she's got a really rich strategic consulting background. And I think, you know, it, it really falls in line with the idea of stewardship and operational vitality, right? In that that at the heart of, of operational vitality is this ability of when we are entrusted with resources, whether they be human resources, capital resources, institutional resources, that our job is to return with increase. And, and I think Betsy's gonna bring such a tremendous perspective on how we combine the um, the charism of stewardship with really the hard skills and, and I think that nuance that that she can bring from from a um, strategic and tactical perspective. Yeah, a few minutes left here, but um, just want to talk about the structure of CLS to make sure people understand how we've thought about this uh, in terms of adult learning. Um, and you made a great comment that we can't just replicate live learning, right? We can't just simply yeah. take the way we've done CLS in the past with breakout sessions, 45 minutes, you sit in a room and you, um, we just know that would not be engaging for people, especially people who are spending uh, more time than maybe they'd like on, on Zoom and other platforms uh, because of virtual. So we have the keynotes, which are gonna set us off, but then um, maybe you talk about the focus sessions a little bit, John, what's, the, what's gonna happen after we have the keynote? Oh, and before we jump into that, I did wanna just also add the one thing about the efficiency and, 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 and taking advantage of that. We have four cardinals who will be with us to lead prayer at CLS. So we have Cardinal Supic, Cardinal Donardo, Cardinal O'Malley and Cardinal Tobin, who will all be um, leading us in prayer and giving a welcome uh, before each of our four uh, CLS sessions. So again, just incredibly blessed and incredibly fortunate to have their participation and their involvement. Yeah. Um, so uh, talk about the focus sessions. How are we, how are we gonna divide that up and what's that gonna look like? So the focus sessions I think are huge and, and I think it's predicated on a couple of things. I think the first one is that, you know, we're excited that we've expanded our fall Catholic leadership summit to include school leaders as well as system leaders and higher ed leaders. I think that's huge. I think we understand that crisis leadership needs to attack how we respond to crisis and create um, equity at all levels, at the school level, at the diocesan level. So to, to really, I think, deepen the impact of the professional learning, I think these focus sessions are going to play a really key role in taking the big themes from our keynotes and then translating them into say, well, what are the implications for school leaders? What are the implications for system leaders? What are the implications for our leaders in higher ed that support Catholic schools? And so these focus sessions, you know, we're going to take some moment to set the stage, right? Really combine key insights from the keynotes. Um, some insights and, and practice and research related to school leaders or system leader or higher ed leadership considerations, and then provide an opportunity for some collaboration and problem solving and, and ideation. You know, I think to be perfectly honest, I, you know, CLS would, we would not be taking full advantage of CLS if we didn't provide an opportunity for that rich collaboration and problem solving. You have gathered in one place at one time, you know, some of the best and brightest minds in, in, in education. Not, not just Catholic education, but in education in general. So why would you not take that opportunity to say, hey, you know what, if we're trying to tackle this issue of educational equity, where are you having your starts and stops, right? You know, if we're trying to, um, to create vibrant school cultures that welcome families um, from all walks of life in all situations, um, how are you creating uh, structures and processes to be invitational rather than disinvitational? So those focus sessions, I think, combine you know, really things that are really specific to school leader system leaders within those domains, and then those opportunities for problem solving collaboration and, and ideation. I think you get the most out of CLS when you get that opportunity to offer and to share and then walk away with insights, not only from our speakers, but from your colleagues. 
So really exciting. And I actually think that's a, it's a good 60 to 70 minute, 75 minute chunk of time. We're, we're really allowing a lot of time for, for attendees at CLS to, to soak and, and really invest and get their, get their teeth into that collaborative piece. Right. And we know that value of networking, that value of collaboration, the interactions you have at CLS are, are the things that, that uh, having been attended, you know, having been an attendee for many, many years, both of us, um, that's what I think people really, really appreciate. Yeah. And that's what we wanted to make sure we had included. Um, following those focus sessions, we'll, we'll have a break, uh, a lunch break, depending on where you are in the country, because we'll have all the different time zones happening during CLS. But then we're going to come back and we're going to put together what we're calling professional learning groups. And this is really designed to bring uh, a few people from each of those leadership sectors. So whether it's school site-based leadership, diocesan system level leadership, or higher ed or, or other type of um, kind of large uh, system leadership, um, bring someone, a couple people from all those together and put them in a learning group. And this is going to be much more of a conversation around what are our key takeaways coming out of this? What did we hear at the keynote? What did we get in our focus session for our specific area? Um, and then how can we start to think about how we collaborate more effectively uh, within these areas? And so how do we look at higher ed and uh, a diocesan level leadership and the school site? How can we do more in terms of what, um, what each of us are doing well, but make sure that we're collaborating across all of those sectors so that we're all uh, really focused on bringing our best for Catholic schools across the country. And so, um, again, a, a great opportunity to be networking, to be collaborating, to be learning from expertise across the country, and uh, really generating some great ideas for your diocese school university uh, to bring on back home. So. I like the mixing up of the sectors piece. I think that's really cool, right? Because I think, you know, we'll use the focus sessions and breakout sessions to say, hey, if you're a school leader, here's an opportunity to collaborate with, with other school leaders and same for system in higher ed. But those professional learning groups, uh, and you'll be working with those professional learning groups throughout all four days of CLS. I think seeing the same problem from different perspectives and different perches only makes the solution that much better. Uh, and so we are, we are really intent on making sure that you walk away from CLS having real concrete things that you can do to change the game and change the ending for your kids and families in your schools. And I think having the professional learning group as a sounding board, as a, as a deep well of insight, and being able to have that mixed group there um, allows us to think differently. And if there's anything that our current situation has demanded of us, it's to think differently. So uh, I think that's, that's going to be a huge opportunity. And just our, our last comment here before we end. Um, yeah. This is actually influencing how we're thinking about our professional development across all areas for the entire school year. Um, we're not going to be in person in the fall, in the spring at convention. We've already made that announcement. So we were supposed to be in Los Angeles and we won't be now. Um, sad for us, uh, uh, having been in LA and wanting to be in LA with all of our great friends there. But we'll be, uh, we'll be on, you know, we'll be doing a virtual convention uh, in the spring and we're excited about all those opportunities. We're also doing a number of different professional learning opportunities from new leaders to operational vitality to stream education to uh, hybrid virtual. Um, and all of these have the same uh, focus on delivery of some, some content, either synchronously or asynchronously, engage in some collaboration in a network, a professional learning network type setting, and then let's offer you some one-on-one -on -one coaching support as well. And so 
again, thinking about this in terms of the adult learner and in terms of what he or she needs to be uh, really um, to get a lot of value out of that training, uh, we're really trying to think uh, deeply about how to do that very effectively. And um, you know, it's been great, John, uh, with you just uh, thinking all of this through uh, in terms of, of how we can set it up. Yeah, I think we're excited to see how over the course of the next 12 months, how we can really elevate and change the game for how we deliver professional learning, right? Not just what the professional learning is on, but 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 how we engage adult learners in that space. And, you know, I think Kevin summed up, you summed up really well, really talking about saying, hey, it's got to be this combination of live and on-demand learning. It's got to be a combination of that plus opportunities to collaborate and network, and then that one-to-one -one executive coaching piece, right? And if you're paying attention, like it, it sounds a lot like gradual release, right? It sounds a lot like scaffolding. And, and so, so if, if we need that for our, you know, our child learners in the classroom, how much more do we need that as adult learners to have those multiple exposures, to have them sustained, to have those variety of scaffolds? Um, so I think it's about time that our adult learning looks a lot like quality student learning. Uh, and we're excited to help, I think, uh, blaze a new, uh, a new path in that respect. That's great. Well, John, it's been great talking yeah. to you. I'm going to encourage everyone listening to make sure you've signed up for our Catholic Leadership Summit 2020. Uh, we are, uh, again, incredibly excited about what it's going to um, look like this year. We think it's going to be incredibly engaging uh, and just an incredible learning experience for all, uh, for all of us. Um, and so, uh, John, thank you for being with me on the podcast this week. Uh, and this is Kevin Baxter, Chief Innovation Officer for NCEA, for NCA Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you.